the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights are down. Welcome to the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem. Nailed uh, it! <laughs> what does that mean again, a preaching post-mortem? Okay. <laughs> we've we've come this far. <laughs> um, this is the podcast. I guess I'm the one explaining it then. Uh, I, the podcast where I sit here and I I talk to my husband about the the sermon he preached mm-hmm. on Sunday. We excavate it. Yeah, we we spelunk <laughs> the sermon. Actually, that would have been a great alternate title to preaching post mortem: a spel- sermon spelunking. Uh, <laughs> I vote no on both of them. From. Everybody. <laughs> anyway, welcome to um, this edition. We're in March and marching forward. Um, yeah. What's been going on with you? Doing fine. Enjoyed a little more warmer weather yesterday and excited for the pod, baby. Okay. Um, well, we can jump right in. Um, both of us are kind of busy, or one of us is. <laughs> Which one do you mean? My brain is somewhere else right now. I will get there, though. I will get there. Let's let's jump into Call It Stormy Monday, and maybe maybe we'll get there. Um, yeah, tell me about this week. Tell me about what what's going on as you start off a new season, a new sermon series. Yes, so I have turned my Lent light on as of last week. We had our Ash Wednesday service that I thought was good for me. I hope it was good for other people last last week, and... The shift in the sermon series away from Genesis to our practice as a presence as a result of the Represence initiative or connected with it and have been, I think the Ash Wednesday service did a large part to f- get me back in the framework of, of the Lenten season. I think I'm going to write a blog post about, about it this week, um, but there aren't many voluntary seasons for us as human beings as in things that we can opt into. Like we can't opt into spring. We can't opt into summer. It's seasons that are already fixed for us, whether we like it or not. We but can't, we can't even really opt into like Halloween and Christmas. Like they're just there. <laughs> no, no there, there are billions of dollars of industry that will force you to opt into those things. But with Lent, it's an opt-in, but this interesting combination of a voluntary opt-in season but one that can and should profoundly shape us at the same time. So trying to, to fit myself into the mournful, melancholy strains of Lent coming into this sermon series. Sure. And honestly, it's it's not so hard if you're reading Ukrainian articles or looking at pictures. Yeah. Um, it puts you into a framework of, of grieving and of sadness for our world. So I think that it's appropriate, um, not appropriate, the, the situation is not appropriate, but it's appropriate that we're in a season of Lent and a season of grieving. As much as I like to keep this podcast light, yeah, um, there's, there's some realities on the ground. Yeah, and in some ways, and this is sad all the way through, pandemic has trained us to be able to contextualize Ukraine a little bit more, where there's this really bad thing happening. Localized in this case, pandemic was around the world. 
but this this globally felt really bad sad thing that we have very little control over but then also similarly something that's really sad but doesn't necessarily affect us individually and personally at least here in in the United States so i was thinking about how the sadness upon sadness continues to layer in not to utilize what's happening in ukraine merely as as an accessory to our own grief and sadness but it's a it's been a tough couple of years and even at the beginning of the sermon i which was a rewritten sermon from just about two years ago mm-hmm. the very beginning of pandemic gave me opportunity again to think through wow it's been a long two years right and um to peel back a little bit more when you're re-preaching a sermon i know that we've talked about this a mm-hmm. little bit before but when you when you do that, um, like in this season, um, you're pulling from a sermon that was relatively recent. Yeah. Um, so what does that look like? In terms of the nuts and bolts? As, yeah. Or in terms of how you're revisioning it. Right. Well, t- to begin the, at the ground level with nuts and bolts. Was it so... the exact same sermon and I just didn't notice? <laughs> well, it was the same sermon text and it was about fasting. I don't right. know. Right. Huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So so working back to the beginning of pandemic, the first Sunday of pandemic, I preached on Psalm 46, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And then the second Sunday of pandemic was the first Sunday of Lent. And I had the sermon series mapped out that it was going to be different. I forget, I forget what the series was or it was something Lenten and the first installment of that Lenten sermon series was about fasting. And so, and as you know, I'm showing you my notes right now that what I bring into the pulpit is pretty sketchy in terms of notes and my sermons never appear in manuscript form. It's always fun when other preachers ask me for, Hey, can I, can I see your notes for, for the sermon? I, I could just go ahead and say, you're probably not going to be able to use them in any helpful way at all. But instead I send it to them anyway and say, Hey, this isn't helpful. And we're like, right. So <laughs> sounds like a, a, a Pat it. McAdams uh, yeah. Instagram post oh, yeah. coming, coming up. You okay. Should, you should send him a snap. Okay. Digital ministry director. Let's see if you're listening. <laughs> and so I, I have to go back and listen to the sermon. That's, that's what I was driving at. So, so I can't go back. I don't have enough notes to be able to figure out what I said from the notes. Wait, so the notes don't even help you? It's not just that they don't help other other <laughs> pastors you're giving to your notes yes. don't help you. No, I, I cannot figure out what I preached two years ago <laughs> just from looking at my notes for it. I, that, that's why sermon audio is very important for me because it's the only only extant record of oh, no. the fact that these sermons actually happened. So it, it was eerie going back and listening. So um, you were there for the first sermon, as in it was your iPhone was camera. Was I the only one there? That was that, that was filming me in our what was the audience? In, in our family room. And oh, I was literally was, only there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it filmed on Thursday afternoon, the day after Ash Wednesday. And then we were in the phase of pre-recording all of our worship service bits, editing them together, and then debuting them on Sunday mornings. And if you go back and listen to that sermon, Helen was it is on our website. You can even the the sound is it's very different. It's a iPhone camera sound in a small room, it just has a completely different ambiance than than a regular sermon recording. And I think it was interesting for me to think about two years ago, Jim preaching this sermon. I had no idea that pandemic was going to be this long and this deep. So it it's a little bit 
looking back on a younger version mm-hmm. of of yourself and saying, "You have no idea what you're talking about, son." Sure. And but so- here we are, sadly, all grown up. And so, so I'd say about two thirds the the structure of the sermon, two thirds of the sermon, was was the same kind of the bones but then building up from there adding inflections recontextualizing uh was sure the rewriting process right um yeah i can see that i can see it applying i can see the the need for the sermon in both capacities um i clearly didn't remember it even though i must have heard it <laughs> well, twice none of us did i didn't remember it you didn't remember it no, none of us remembered it that's that's why i felt free to repreach it because nobody nobody's it's paying like attention the time period right before the crisis or right. the ti- at the crisis at the moment of crisis you kind of blank out yep yeah and then looking forward there's one other thing i have for call it stormy monday um maybe this is too pessimistic a thought but i continue to have some waiting and see mode and or anxiety and worry about what life is going to look like even as we begin our thaw from covid and so i i forget what context i was in when i was talking about this it just seems like mental health is pinging for a lot of people where where okay we're we're moving out of what's been this really in some ways slow but then also really intense covid pause on life being back to normal but as thankfully things are getting a little more back to normal yesterday in Collingswood school system was the first day of mask optional after years and years and years it felt like years and years and years of of being with masks we have a little more space which i think gives more oxygen to people realizing hey i really have not been doing well at all Mm -hmm. and and having a little more time and bandwidth to devote to introspection i don't know what's coming with all of that for people which which makes me feel like doubling down on practices of presence for the sermon series is is important because we've got a buffer up right now no that's a that's a giant context and i i i when you said that like ukraine doesn't really impact us like i think that this is going to be tangential, but mm-hmm. <laughs> part of my Lenten giving up things was that I I uh, deleted or well I deleted Reddit, Twitter, Twitter, a major social media thing yeah. from my phone. So I've been good for you. Just in news media lately <laughs> instead. <laughs> so like Out of the New York Times, the, the Atlantic, and um, I, I think that that is actually it. If if I if there was any hope from coming out of pandemic and feeling mm-hmm. like there's a little bit more normal, it actually does throw you back into not normal because it it yeah, is true. affecting, um, I don't know the price of gas outside and yeah. that that means the cost of traveling to your family or or whatever it might be the cost of airfare as I was like thinking about plane tickets to go go on vacation. I'm not saying yeah. those are any like, but then I like so those are like minor complaints but then i push and look through the like pictures of ukrainian families like dying as they're trying to cross the border and it's very like so that's anyways that's part of just to flesh out the mental health picture i i don't even think i I just think it's even more complicated it's just one more layer of like complicated inside yes one one final layer (laughs) sorry (laughs) before we move on can we move on sorry helen wolves one one other thing here, I I feel under equipped as a pastor 
or one of the jokes during pandemic is, hey, there was no seminary class about how to lead a church during pandemic. That was very much true. There are no chapters or books devoted to it at the beginning. I think another way in which I feel under-equipped is how to minister to a congregation in the midst of national or global crisis. Mm -hmm. And realistically, the church in the late 20th century going into the 21st, and you could say that this is a place of privilege in my part. So went to a predominantly white, wealthy seminary. And so not everybody late 20th century into the 21st century were things basically running pretty well and okay. So I acknowledge that. But as global national crises seem to be accelerating and we are affected more frequently by things that are registered as more than just headlines for us, I'm still trying to figure out what the church's role in helping people through some of these things. So I, sure. that's, and that's, that's just an open, an open question. We ha- I had a good meeting with our deacons on Sunday morning talking about Ukraine relief, but that's one piece of the puzzle and there are more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, that's the background. <laughs> How, Helen Woods, if you have the answer, post something blues at gmail.com. Um, let's move on to Sun Studios. Hope, wishing, hoping for a sunny day. What's the song? Waiting on a sunny day. Waiting Bruce Springsteen. Oh, maybe that. Oh, see, that should rising. be. Mm, that's still not. That still doesn't. <laughs> what does sense. that have to do with the biblical text? I'll have to go back through the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible is the light. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get there. The light Give us time. is okay. Presence of the Lord. Um, the working title of the segment where we think about the Bible passage. Um. Mm-hmm. The one that you pulled from two years ago. <laughs> yes, Luke chapter two, verses thirty-six to thirty-eight. Preached it a second time. Did it feel challenging, or was it the same? I mean, you or did you pretty much get the bulk and move on? The parts of the sermon that I didn't rewrite included going back and engaging with this text. So, sure. I, so I didn't go back and read more commentaries about Luke chapter two or things like that. But instead, it felt like returning to some old friends. So mm-hmm. we, we have friends visiting this weekend that have a namesake related to this passage, Simeon. Mm-hmm. So Simeon and Anna, what a melancholic pair these two are. So they're, they're both old. They don't seem to be wealthy or have a lot of social capital. But they're both waiting at the Jerusalem temple for, in the language for Anna, the redemption of Jerusalem and Simeon likewise is waiting for the consolation of Israel. So we have these people that have been waiting for a long time, worshiping, fasting, waiting for God to make all things new through the Messiah. And then in Luke chapter two, the light dawns and it actually begins to happen. Sure. And um, I do appreciate that that moment. Actually, like that does relate to what maybe the solutions of what you're saying, the pandemic and. Yeah. Um global crises like it's waiting waiting on the lord and waiting for i don't know i hate waiting we all i think we all hate the like what ifs um but just to acknowledge that that's part of what god's calling us to do and and having these examples of anna Mm -hmm. and simeon yes um yeah and then went from there to jump off from verse 37 that Anna did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer 
night and day focused on fasting. And then the middle of the sermon was a little bit of a grab bag talking about what fasting is and different aspects of why. So whether it's a sharpening or a focus or freedom from our crutches one way or another, a curbing of our enthusiasms. There was a little reference there. Did did you get that? That I, was great. I did get that. You're the, in the wrong section again. Okay. Though. Then then grieving, grieving and waiting. Yeah, just trying to unpack fasting a little bit through the prism of, of this passage and thinking why why don't we why don't we fast more? Mm-hmm. It's I this also is skipping around a little bit, I'm sorry, but but quoted a twentieth century Christian writer and pastor saying that, hey, American Christians do a lot of things like read the Bible, go to church. Why don't why don't we fast? Because it's mm-hmm. so all over the place in the scriptures. So I wanted to make a little bit of a biblical case and apologetic for fasting itself. Right. And that does kind of relate to muddying the waters. As you're like challenging us to fast, you're you're the context um that you're speaking to are people who who have just varying levels, I think, of understanding of what fasting is. Yeah. Um, so how how do you address all those contexts? Sure. Are we going to muddying the waters? Shall we? Yes. Yes, we are. Okay. Here's something different from when I preached a sermon two years ago. I had a line saying that for most of us, fasting is scary and strange, I'm not sure it was completely true then, and it's even less so now, as as we continue to, here in the late modern West, put a lot of effort into our into our bodies. I've I've heard pastors say, or maybe it was me that said it. That it was Jim hurt I, himself. I, I, I did not mean that as a humble breath. I don't know what. So I yeah. Jim hears voices the, in his head all the time. I hear voices. The in some ways, body care is a new legalism for for for, for postmodern people, where mm-hmm. where where you can think and feel whatever you want, but when it comes to doing right by your body, there there are things that you should eat and that you shouldn't mm-hmm. eat. There mm-hmm. there are measures of self care that you should definitely do if you have the time, money, and resources for it. So I don't think fasting is that weird now because you know we're always on diets, we're always on cleanses, we're always you know, it's it's a juice fast or a or this or a that. So, I think a lot of people we actually pay a ton of attention to our diet, including in the negative sense that we pay attention to what we're not putting on the intake mm-hmm. for physical reasons. So, I wanted to bridge a little bit and say, and it's not only that ancient Christianity had fasting as a practice; you find it around the world and throughout the ages, but deeply within the Christian tradition is this connection and understanding of mind and body and spirit all being deeply fused to one another. And so, hey, if we're willing to fast from carbs or from junk food or from sugars for the sake of making our body better, why don't we fast so that we can deepen within ourselves a holy hunger for God? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, um, sorry for pausing. Just thinking about that, just thinking about um, this, this adding the context, because because even like the things that some of us are giving up for Lent, like things like what I like me not having social media on my phone. Yeah. Like that's not something that's purely Christian. (laughs) Um, So. Right. Or like people when. Yeah. Other things people are giving up for Lent. Chocolate. I don't know. Yeah. Chocolate screen time. Right. Right. 
trying to eat more healthy, whatever whatever it is, yeah. alcohol. Those are all actually um, things that a lot of society would agree we should take breaks from. Yes. So adding the Christian layer of um, repentance and prayer. Yeah, hopefully there are some points of contact there. And it's one thing that Christian fasting takes a step farther than a lot of the mindfulness things is that the, the ultimate goal is not us when we fast, but the mm. ultimate goal is God and other people and mm-hmm. finding a holy hunger to be filled with God for God's glory and so that we can be useful agents of God's kingdom, peace, his shalom in in the world. So, so wanting not only to put a Christian can coat of paint on some fasting practices, but, but say how at the deepest level we're made to fast so that we can hunger, hunger for God. Holy hunger is a phrase that is used, bantered about within Liberty pastor circles. And I think as well, I, I had cut out a little bit more in this direction, whether it's Christians or non-Christians in this cultural moment, we're really bad at waiting. And I think that's one of the reasons why pandemic was so difficult for us. We're just not used to things being fixed or we're not used to things not being fixed. I to, mean, I to am. Put it, to put it <laughs> apart from home repairs <laughs> in, in the anger household. That's a, that, that's a different story. We're just keeping it real. We're, we're teaching our family members <laughs> that they need to wait on basic the, home the repairs. that don't work. The yeah, they can wait. That's it, it's fine. It's all fine. So, so, front door porch. <laughs> so, so overall, we have this mentality that through technology through wealth and resources here in the west that that we can we can perfect systems such that things basically work okay but the flip side is that pandemic said we there are things that we can try to ameliorate but we can't make this go away and we're really bad at waiting and Mm. what what this passage is including anna and then as a widow until she was 84, mm-hmm. a widow for 65 years, who knows how long she was actually waiting at the temple, probably mm-hmm. decades. Fasting stretches our perspective from the eternal now backwards and forwards so that if waiting is a facet of the fallen world, fasting helps us to get used to it and actually use it for some spiritual good. Hopefully that got across in the sermon. And, yeah. th- and then last, lastly, on, on this part, um, I, think we, I think there is a tendency for us to numb out in the, in the midst of pain and sadness, whether it's documentation and statistics pointing to the fact that addictive behaviors and dependencies went up during pandemic, whether it's plenty of people saying that they're addicted to one extent or another to to social media or if the flip side of trying to get serious about mental health and wellness during pandemic is on one side the other side is that we've just let ourselves go and eating habits junk food habits under christian fasting recognizes that what we put into our body can have deleterious spiritual effects and so let's fight the numbness of this period by fasting and getting more serious about jesus Sure, let's do it. Okay, <laughs> I'm on board. One other thing for muddying the wait, waters. Wait, you or said did... there was one other thing. You, oh, wait. you already said that uh, was the, the, the thing you said was the last thing. That's what you said. 
Well, this is something I actually wanted to cover in presence of the Lord. <laughs> so, okay, I said I said there was only one more thing about muddying the waters. One more thing, presence of the Lord. It's it's always a fun challenge for me to figure out how to get to the cross in any given sermon. Made it a little bit easier from Luke chapter 2, where Simeon gives the encroachment of the first shadow of the cross mm-hmm. upon Luke's gospel. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your soul also. That was a through line to get us to the cross. And I was intrigued to think about it. It was just one line in the sermon, but talking about how for three days and three nights, Jesus fasted from life for for, for our sake. A fast from light, a fast from, from oxygen. The concomitant there is that in the Christian story, it's not just fasting all the way down, but there is a feast to come. Yeah. And so we can be anchored in our fasting by recognizing that fasting is not the end of the story, which if you're, if it's just materialism or secularism, our lives will end in an eternal fast mm-hmm. of death. Yeah. But that's not, that's not the Christian story and we actually have better news. That's great. Yeah, the take I up, think so. Take up Jesus is the part. Did I write that? That I, I wrote down that. Was that you? Was that just my thought? <laughs> Lent has a Lent has a putting down and a taking up. Right. So right. Yeah. We put down by fasting, and in various ways, we take up the cross of Jesus in our lives in a deeper way during the Lenten season. Yeah. So let's let's think of ways to do that. Yeah. Um. Okay. Moving on to bar band cover tunes. You mm. did have lots of quotes. Um. I think you have a list. I have quotes all over my page. The only <laughs> one I'm really annoyed by was the Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, I was yeah. like, really? Yep. Re- you really wanted to do that? Um, I guess you also had the song at the beginning from Otis you Redding, only you were Don't miss your else. water. That, that was the country version. So Clara, Clara, Clara whispered to me, oh, no, he's going to sing. <laughs> Oh, what a missed opportunity. <laughs> well, that Cla- Clara, our daughter, who's worried about singing. Oh, but worried about your singing. My singing, specifically. <laughs> the, She's quite happy to sing. She's oh, not. Man. Yeah, me me trying to do Otis Redding would would just be uh, absolutely yeah, horrible. So so I was I was blocked by the big O. You, could, you just could tell. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I I just didn't go there. Sometimes I have discretion. <laughs> I, I can self-edit sometimes. Yes, you don't miss your water till the well runs dry. But when you left me, Emily, and said bye-bye, I missed my water. <laughs> my well ran dry. So we appreciate things more in their absence. And please so, let go. Yeah, I was just going to say, you, you cut me out. You preempted me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the places what, I could go. Oh, yeah. No, stay here. It'll, it'll be great. I'm, I'm really might. I could do better. I might go. I could do better. Yeah, so a, a great old soul song and something that introduced us, I think, straight away to this concept or idea of appreciating things more mm-hmm. more in their absence. You're, uh, as far as I know, you're not familiar with that soul song, Em. You're, you've heard that cliche or that uh, phrase, right? I don't You don't miss your water till the so. oil runs dry? I remember, I remember now, I'm starting to remember all these things. They're coming back to me. Mm. But like the, the, the Brad comment, um, that yeah. illustration, was that actually true? Like, did you actually write that, those exact words? I did. 
yeah, it was it was I a one it. one sentence I letter. Even, it was a big I step for like an emotionally stunted non communicative seventh grader. The podcast that we did about it, I feel like I might have said that I didn't believe you. Mm. Well, we weren't doing podcasts oh, we then. Weren't? No, that was I feel like we were. It feels like we've been doing this forever. That's a good thing. But no, podcast started. I, I don't think it was true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I, I do believe him. Text just, Brad. Yeah. Ask him. Fact check. Okay. Anyway, other quotes you want to highlight? So the, the 20th century pastor that said, hey, maybe we should fast. And are we not embracing the cross of Christ if we don't? The guy's name was Wesley Duell. I just found that from Mr. Googly, Googling around about Christianity Shocking. and fasting. So I, I don't really have any context for who the good Reverend Duell was. Sorry about that, Alan Wolves. Feel free to do a deep dive. I, I hope he was an okay person. Oh, my gosh. Because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go back and check. Hopefully, he's a good guy, just like John Mark Comer. Been quoting him a good bit recently. And then a nice quote from Richard Foster about fasting. Our human cravings and desires are like rivers that tend to overflow their banks. Fasting helps keep them in their proper channels. And did you laugh when I introduced richard foster and said no relation to david foster wallace i it i it 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 like there was a me- mental pin but i didn't really like think it was a joke so you you didn't laugh correct okay not surprising then the the, <laughs> the, the other reference that that was really a late edition um clive james uh-huh. you've you see a lot of clive james books on, your, on my bookshelf right. and bedstand mm-hmm. so Late on Saturday night, I think after you had turned off your 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 lamp on the on the bedstand, I finished up reading Clive James' memoir called "Unreliable Memories." Unreliable. I'll have to go back and check. Unreliable something. So he he grew up in Australia, and the memoir ends with him getting on a boat to go to England for his postgraduate career. I I have career envy of Clive James. He was kind of a English public intellectual. So mm-hmm. he was a movie critic, TV critic. He was on newscasts. He had his own TV show for a while, but was a polyglot, taught himself multiple languages to be able to read things like Dante's Inferno and the original. Really great literary critic, expert of 20th century history, great poetic critic, and also a poet himself. Anyway, he's one of my literary heroes from the 20th century. Read a ton, loved a ton of different authors, kind of like a higher brow Roger Ebert. So one of the Mm -hmm. things that you've heard me say about Roger Ebert, my favorite movie critic, he may have died 20 years ago now. Two things about Roger Ebert that I love as a movie critic. Number one, he's a really good writer. And number two, he actually loves movies. And many movie critics lack either one or both of those things. They're they're not good writers and or, hey, do you actually enjoy movies at all? Stop complaining. <laughs> this, come on, don't, don't. Going to the movie theater is not your weekly perp walk <laughs> where you just have to go through the motions for the sake of other things. Anyway, Clive James, I knew that he had died a few years ago. And then after I finished the book, had a couple minutes before bed. I should not go to YouTube <laughs> right before bed. That's but you did. bad personal hygiene. Usually I don't. Found an interview of Clive James by the BBC very shortly before he died. And it was heartbreaking for me to hear him say, when I die, that's it. 
and it's been a good run. Somebody who had such a joy for aesthetics and uh, vivacity and passion for life. Just to hear him say, yeah, I'm good. We're done. And it did strike me that I, I used the phrase lie. I said, that's a lie in the sermon where for some, and who knows, I'm not at the end of my life, hopefully, as far as I know. But to get to the point where you've made peace with not being able to read books, write about them, enjoy poetry, see a sunrise and be okay, you have to work really hard to get yourself there. Mm -hmm. Because as the Bible says, death is a tragedy. It's an intruder. It's the last enemy. And Jesus has conquered it for us. So what a, what a sad ending to a life for my friend Clive. Yeah. Okay, dude, that feels like we should even end there. <laughs> um, but I'll move on. Um, just, yeah, any any other tidbits? Oh, you have one more quote you wanted to... I have a guitar slim picking. Oh, okay. No, I wasn't actually going to end. I was just saying, like, <laughs> it felt like that an was, end. That was a nice mic drop there. Like, yeah. feel like ends. Um, the sense of an ending. Right. Well, that yeah, that's your other book re- reference. Um, yeah, any leftovers? I guess not. Just a howling wolf. No, I said I did have a guitar slim picking. I mean, oh, okay. I'm so confused. What's your guitar slim picking? Stay on target. Stay on target. Thank you, Porkins. We are in guitar slim pickings now. And and this will be of particular interest to you. I think I figured out. Are you sure? Why? <laughs> well, let's, this is a test balloon. Let's, let's stress test this idea. I, I think I figured out why you don't like my Ash Wednesday, Christmas Eve, Good Friday, Monday, Thursday sermonettes. Boring. Well, they've I've, gotten better. I've, 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 I've drilled a little deeper. So, how long you should know that that thankfully, as you channel Emily your enjoys prep school, prep school <laughs> chaplains. Thankfully, oh man, that would be the worst. Thank, th- thankfully, my spouse like. enjoys my preaching. That's not true <laughs> with every pastoral couple, Un- unfortunately. Have we got some stories for you? But but Emily is not a fan of my one-off sermons for these Good Friday-ish Wednesday sorts of fine. things. They've gotten fine. They I, used to be worse. They, they used to be worse. Hopefully, they're getting better. But But here's what came to me when I was preparing the Ash Wednesday sermon as to why you don't like them and maybe they're not as good. I spend a lot less time on them. I never thought of that before. So what you have with like an Ash Wednesday service, homily nope. is a sermon. You spend no time it's, on this podcast. It's bare bones. So <laughs> so with with something like, a, including this past week, the Ash Wednesday service, it took longer to deliver than it did to write. And I'm not blowing it off. I take it seriously. But in the economy of my week, I... With special services, maybe I should change that, but so far I I haven't. What you have, so there's no introduction, there's no thought to structure, there is no references, there is no aesthetic considerations. I'm just explaining something about okay, a Bible but passage. But you're basically just admitting to me that yeah. like your sermon is worse on those those weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I did not mean to say that. So, You're saying you didn't put any thought into them. No, I definitely put thought into them. Here's here's why I'm okay with my I process. I don't like them because you don't put thought into them. That's what you just told me. This took a turn. 
I, I'm okay with my process for these things because, M, you like variety. You know that variety is a spice of life. For, for any listeners for whom, and congregants, for whom more of a stripped down bare bones, this is Jim just talking about a Bible passage. That's a welcome change of pace where I'm just getting down to the nitty gritty of explaining a Bible passage and then going home. So for the sake of hitting different listeners in different ways, I do different processes for these things, not just for time efficiencies, but to add some variety to my annual preaching rhythms. Boom. I'm going to take my response off air. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There we go. Actually, um... (laughs) after you, Uh, do we have any Howlin' Wolves? I could be a Howlin' Wolf at this point, but I, I, I really think I should take it off air. (laughs) <laughs> no homos for this week, but feel free to write in post Sunday blues at gmail.com. If you want to know my real thoughts. <laughs> wanted to say, but related here in our encore section, uh, thanks for all the people that downloaded Five, Five Golden, Golden Things, things. The, the Liberty List. The, the download numbers were good from, from last week. Hopefully that podcast will find an audience with our congregation and beyond as we continue to push back the darkness of digital Babylon. Coming up this week, this Friday dropping is me and Pat McAdams talking candy. So it will be an incredibly serious, morose Yeah, candy has subject. nothing to do with pushing back. <laughs> or I should say, how does candy push back well, digital it's a, Babylon? <laughs> it's a Christian podcast about candy. <laughs> There's a rationale for everything. One wanted wanted to give a very quick shout out as well for the sermon coming up. Um, I think you're going to like this week's sermon, which I don't say very That's often because I'm always setting myself up your for, last thing, for, <laughs> your for, last point. for failure. This week's sermon on Sunday is going to be preaching about gospel friendship as one of our practices of presence. And because it's Lent, I decided to take it in a melancholic direction The sermon text for this Sunday talking about the importance of community is Psalm 88, a psalm of deep loneliness and isolation that ends with, darkness is my only friend. And with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Working on try one? I think it might be working amazing. on the first try. You're amazing tech guy. Just like our relationship. Uh- <laughs>